take our Bibles this morning and uh, go ahead and turn to Ezekiel 28 this morning. Ezekiel 28. You guys on Facebook, be sure to let us know if you're having any issues regarding video or audio, and we will do our very best to address it in a timely manner. Uh, we are half a church down this morning, uh, so I will be dealing with it personally, so you have to be a little bit patient with me, but we will take care of it. Ezekiel what? Ezekiel 28 this morning. checking every once in a while the comments just to see if anybody's having issues uh, but hopefully everything will be good maybe check the audio real quick just to see if anybody's having issues uh, but hopefully we sound good this week now you might have noticed there was no podcast this week that wasn't neglect hi man yeah wow <laughs> that was good timing right there Good timing, Mom. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Uh, that was the audio from last week's Sunday School lesson, despite Josh's best efforts, was unusable. And you might have seen him on camera every once in a while, running around trying to get it fixed, but uh, it was cutting out like every third word or so, and so you just couldn't listen to a thing like that on uh, an audio podcast. So uh, it's not on there this uh, last week, but this coming week, Audio seems to be pretty good. We'll have it up. Um, this week we're continuing our uh, series, Why We Believe What We Believe. And uh, we have made it up to angels. And we talked about angels extensively the last couple of weeks. And this week we're moving on to a um, subcategory, you might call it, of angelology. And uh, it is about Satan this morning. And we did mention that at the end of last week's lesson that we would be talking about why we believe what we believe about the devil, about Satan. And uh, he took notice, let me tell you, this morning uh, has been quite the morning for Hot Dog Sunday. Woke up, was about to start getting dressed for uh, church, and uh, got a text from Josh saying that Ryan isn't feeling good this morning. So unfortunately, they're not going to be able to be with us this morning. And Josh and Ryan are always missed, but especially because Josh runs the, the, the computer for me. <laughs> so we're very much missing Josh this morning and Ryan, of course, because, well, let's be honest, we like Ryan better. We just we like her better than Josh. She's good people. Yeah. Uh, we, we tolerate Josh because Ryan's part of the package, really, is how that works. But uh, the devil's after our church this morning. Um, yeah. Sylvie and David still on their way, probably come in any minute now, but uh, they were a little bit late leaving, but they were doing good until they came across a, they said it was a fatality car accident, which is horrible, and uh, do be in prayer for that family. I don't know who they are, what their name is, but the Lord does, so we can be in prayer for them, um, but they had to go around another direction, and they already lived pretty far out, so it was a little bit out of their way, uh, so... They were dealing with that this morning as well. And then my grandmother got to not feeling well. And so we had to go help her 
she was worried that she might have had COVID, but we gave her a test and it came back negative. And it wasn't like even sort of negative. It was very, very negative. There was no trace of a line on that positive uh, marker. So she does not have COVID. So that's a praise right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. But also the devil is at work this yeah. Sunday. Uh, I think he knows he's the subject of our lesson this morning. So let's, uh, that's right. He's trying to keep as few people as possible to listen to this lesson. But uh, we're going to get it out there. Uh, so in our lesson about Satan, uh, we're, we're going to go over a lot of details the Bible talks about with the devil. Uh, his existence is clearly stated throughout Scripture. There are those that believe that Satan is um, a symbol in the Bible for the um, just the concept of evil in the world, and that it's more of a, an allegory, the devil is, than an actual uh, spiritual being. But the Bible clearly states the devil's existence. He took the form of a serpent, or uh, possessed a serpent, uh, in the Garden of Eden. We know I that was... Thank you. We know that that was uh, him because it says it later on in the scriptures. Thank you again. Um, we know that the devil was there with Jesus uh, tempting him in Matthew 4. Uh, the devil showing up all throughout scripture. You know, uh, the devil mentioned in our series in Job. And so it's, uh, it's a matter of biblical proof. So, so the Bible declares his existence. Also, man's distortions of beliefs and man's distortion of action exemplifies the existence of Satan. Right? So because there are so many different versions of religion out there in the world, that sort of is another kind of proof that the devil exists. Because any time, and you'll notice this in life and in the world, that any time God makes something, the devil will either try to corrupt it, and if he can't corrupt it, he'll duplicate a false copy of it. And those are his go-to methods for Amen. polluting or distorting uh, God's creations. Thank you again. Uh, so, for like example, um, the Bible. The Bible is God's written word and thank you again wow you guys are busy this morning that's exciting uh, God's written word it's infallible it's inerrant it is his pure and holy word and it is the only one of its kind so the devil comes along and he inspires uh, other people to begin other religions based on other religious books like the Quran for example or like uh, the Torah for the Jews you know, just another version of the Old Testament that's spun in a way that the Pharisees would be proud of today, you know. And so it's a, uh, it's a matter of false copies of things. Uh, for example, you have Jesus, who is the figurehead of Christianity, and he is the, the source of our worship. He is what we worship. He's the reason we worship, right? Well, then you also have other figures that other people worship, like uh, Buddha or Muhammad. Uh, all these other different versions of religions that the devil has created to be false copies of the one true faith. So these distortions of beliefs and even the pollution of mankind and the rampant uh, nature of sin in our world are all proof 
but the devil and his angels are at work. There uh, is a story in the book of Revelation, and we'll, we'll get to that when we get to the doctrine of last things. But there's a time coming in the world's history where uh, the Lord will return to the earth. Uh, this is referred to as the second coming, and in the second coming, he'll establish his kingdom for a thousand years. During that 1,000-year period, Satan will be bound in the uh, bottomless pit. And then after the 1,000 years is up, he'll be set free. And he will return to the earth, and there'll be this great battle referred to as the Battle of Gog and Magog. And uh, we'll get into all of that a little bit later, but the point of the matter is, during that 1,000 years when the devil is not present on the earth, it's a time of perfect peace. It's a time where we can worship God in pureness and in holiness but without the temptations and corruptions that come with a sin-cursed earth being polluted by the devil. And then when he returns, he's able to rally all of those left on the earth that didn't return with the Lord and able to uh, rally what's left of those uh, in a, a war against the kingdom of Christ. And obviously there's no hope for them in that war, but it's all about how the devil pollutes us and corrupts us spiritually. And we see that rampant in our world today. And it's just proof of the devil and his work. Um, the paranormal evidences it. I, I used to have kids on the bus ministry. Man, I love working with kids. I just absolutely do. They're so much fun. Because they haven't quite um, learned to put on airs at church. And I love that. I don't, I don't want people to put on airs at church, you know? I want you to be real and you be to yourself. If you're a big Marvel fan, come to church and talk about it. That's fine. Nobody's going to shame you here. You know, if uh, if you're real big into uh, card collecting, you know, that's fine. You come on in, talk about it. Nobody's going to, you know, tell you that's inappropriate to talk about here. Um, so that's what they do. They come in and they just talk like normal people. And it's fantastic. It's great. And I love it. Uh, but they'll be talking about, oh, I saw this show, you know, on TV the other night, and it's about um, ghost hunters and how uh, they're in this house and hunting things. Or there's movies where, like, it'll show uh, uh, with one of those night vision cameras watching somebody sleep, and then a cup flies across the room or some nonsense like that. And uh, they'll be talking about that. And you know, when you're a kid or a teenager at that young age, things that are scary are exciting, right? That's why haunted houses are a thing. You know, things that are scary, they're fun and they're exciting. And so they're talking about ghosts and being scared about houses being haunted and stuff. And I'm like, guys, let me ruin your fun real quick, okay? I'm like, there is no such thing as ghosts, all right? Haunted houses do not exist. The Bible says when a person passes away, they go one of two places. And that is entirely dependent on whether they have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. There's no such things as ghosts. And you can see their little faces get disappointed. And they're like, oh, okay. And I go to walk away and I say, but demons are real. So that's probably what that is. <laughs> and they're all excited again. <laughs> you know. Really, though? No. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> so the paranormal evidence is it. Uh, there's biblical examples of this, as a matter of fact. Remember the story? Uh, when Moses comes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And uh, Pharaoh refuses to let the people go, so Moses throws his staff on the ground. Anybody remember what happened to it? 
Turn into a serpent. Turn into a serpent. And uh, Pharaoh was unimpressed and had his magicians throw their magic staffs on the ground, and they turned into serpents as well. Remember that? And then Moses' serpent swallowed the other serpents to prove its superiority. But think about the fact that Pharaoh's magicians were able yeah. to also do that. That means that they were tapping into the power of Satan. Mm. Some sort of demon or Satan himself was empowering those magicians to be able to copy the miracle of God, just like we were talking about a second ago. God does something miraculous, the devil likes to copy it and, and form his own sort of false version of it. So that's what that was there in the, the book of Exodus with Moses and Pharaoh. Uh, do we remember the witch of Endor? That's a story in uh, the books of history. Uh, King Saul is trying to contact uh, Samuel. But Samuel is dead, so that makes it kind of hard to get him on the phone, you know? Uh, so he goes to a medium, the Witch of Endor. And this medium, the Witch of Endor, uh, uses her, her abilities to summon the spirit of Samuel so that Saul, so, yeah, so that Saul can communicate with it. But she's capable of doing that. How is she capable of making that connection between those two people? Because she's using the power of Satan to make that connection. And the Bible talks about uh, witches and, and wizards and all kinds of people that, that mimic the power of God by using the power of Satan. And you need to understand most of the time they don't know that they're using the power of Satan. They think they're using the power of some other God. They think that they're worshiping this God and this God is giving them that power and the devil's okay with that. The devil is fine with them not knowing it's actually him so long as they aren't worshiping God. That's all he cares about. Right? So these witches and these different people, they think they're worshiping other gods and using their powers. Really, they're using the devils. Um, and, and by the way, the word magic in our sort of society, it's a very broad term. And it's important that you understand this. It's a, it's a kind of a broad term because what used to mean people using the power of the devil to, to do amazing, incredible things has also come to mean things that are fantastic and things that are wonderful. Um, have you ever heard somebody say like it was a magical experience? Right? They don't mean, wow, the devil was really there with us that day, man. How fantastic. That's not what they mean. They mean it was a really special moment. It was really fantastic. It's almost like um, like, like Disney magic, right. you know? It's like nobody in those Disney movies, when they're using, like, like uh, the good fairy, maybe, let's take the Wizard of Oz, the good witch, Glinda. She wasn't using the power of Satan to form that bubble, I'm pretty sure, you know? Plus, also, it's fake and... Uh, it's a different kind of magic. So it's important to understand that there are, there's sort of a field of meaning to that word. Uh, so you can take some of those things with a grain of salt. Uh, but we do see these paranormal things taking place. And they are uh, the devil that is making these things happen. Uh, we know that Satan has been cast out of heaven as a place of abode, but he has access to God's presence. Uh, until during the tribulation period when he's cast down to the earth. Meaning maybe 
uh, not only God's presence, but even the stellar heavens. Uh, he's now operating out of hell, but ultimately will forever be doomed there. Uh, presently, he is the prince and power of the air, according to Ephesians 2.2. And we're going to go over all of that in greater detail here in a few minutes. Uh, but this is the existence of Satan. He is very real and not just uh, some sort of an abstract right. concept for evil. Uh, the personality of Satan. Satan is a person, or a person is defined as somebody who has an intellect, an emotion, and a will. Right? Those are the three things that make up a person. What were they? An intellect, like the ability to reason. Emotions, which we all have felt how separate those two things can be at times. Mm -hmm. Right? And a will. Uh, in other words, those things that, that part of us that drives us to do what we want to do. Like uh, the will of God. What he wants us to do in our lives as we follow his will. Uh, Satan is shown clearly to have uh, these specific things throughout scripture. Uh, for example, in Job chapter 1, the Bible talks about his conversation with God. And you can see there in Job 1, he's reasoning with God. Uh, there in that passage because God is he's saying I've been up and down the earth I've been back and forth from it and there's nobody who can resist me I corrupt all and then God says hast thou considered my servant Job and he's saying that Job has not been corrupted by you and then Satan immediately knows who Job is and you can see also secondly in that passage where Satan starts to get a little upset right he gets a little he says Job does not fear God for naught. You let me destroy what he has and he will curse you to your face. You can feel the devil getting frustrated. Right? That's an emotion. And it's disconnected from the intellect he was showing a second ago. So intellect and emotions and he has a will. And you see it there going up and down the earth corrupting everybody uh, he possibly can. That is his will as well. Uh, so the term Satan is not just a personification of evil. He's a real person and not merely an evil impersonal force. He is a liar from the beginning. As Christ said in John 8.44, he said, you're of your father's the devil, for he's a liar and the father of it. The devil invented lying. Uh, the first ever lie ever recorded, not just in the Bible, but in all of human history, was in the Garden of Eden. It was there with the serpent, as that serpent who was being possessed by the devil comes up and speaks to Eve. Uh, he, sa she, um, he says, you shall not surely die. That's what he says to Eve after she um, almost quotes God. She adds a few of her own words in there. But then the devil outright lies to Eve and says, you shall not surely die. Right, so he, that is what Jesus is referring to when he says he is a liar and the father of it. He invented the concept of lying. One of the reasons why redemption may not have been offered to him and the third of the angels that fell with him is because they sinned in the very presence of God, knowing full uh, what they were doing, not because of the actions of someone else, as in Adam's case, in the head of the human race. Right, so that is one reason why redemption may not have been offered to the devil and his angels. Also, probably because the devil is not going to be interested in redemption. That's really going to be, and God knows that since he knows everything. 
The devil's not interested in redemption. He's interested in corruption and destruction and destroying as many people and as much of God's uh, beauty and creation as he possibly can. He hates every single one of us and wants to see us in pain. So now we talk about the origin and nature of Satan. Uh, the word Satan itself means adversary. That's what the, the, that name means. As cited above, under angels, all beings outside of God are created beings. Therefore, Satan was created. He's not eternal like God. Satan was created with all the other angels uh, before the first day of creation. And we know this because the book of Job talks about how the morning stars, which are the angels, were singing together as God was creating the universe. So they were created before day one. So let's look now at Ezekiel 28. And we're going to see a few things about the devil in our passage here this morning. Ezekiel chapter 28, we're going to start reading in verse 10. It says, Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. And say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. So, it's referring to the king of Tyrus, but, and we're going to see this in another passage of Scripture as well later on, there are a couple of instances in the Bible where the devil has overshadowed an important leader in the world. And so when it's talking about the king of Tyrus, it's actually talking about Satan. So you can see, and even in, we're going to look at Isaiah 14 here in a little bit, and part of it is talking about that king, and then at some portion of that scripture, it shifts from talking about that specific king to talking about Satan. And that's what we see here in this passage as well in verse uh, 12. When he starts saying, Thus saith the Lord, he says, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. So he's talking about the devil before he was corrupted. Right? Because before Satan was corrupted, he was an angel, like all the others. Uh, he was full of wisdom. He was perfect in beauty. Uh, Satan's true form is beautiful. And you would know that from all the... Uh, animated versions of the devil or what people think the devil looks like in these different movies and so forth but the devil is actually a beautiful creation of God he says in verse 13 thou hast been in Eden the garden of God so this is where we know because there's a lot of people that will say well if you read Genesis 3 it doesn't actually say the serpent is the devil right so how do we know that that's the devil this is how we know right here. In verse 13, it says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, we're not talking about Adam, right? We're not talking about Eve. And the only other two creatures that were in the garden was God himself and the devil, right? So Adam and Eve, long gone, in heaven, in the presence of the Lord. 
Uh, we're not talking about God here because God is the one talking. He just said, thus saith the Lord God. So we have to be talking about the devil. That's the only one left. Uh, every precious stone was thy covering. Uh, I'm going to pronounce some of these wrong because I don't know much about stones. Uh, the sardius, topaz I know, the diamond, the beryl, I don't know, uh, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared uh, in thee in the day that thou was created. So he was created with all of these jewels and all of this gorgeous array and beauty and gold and so forth as a part of his um, appearance. He was a beautiful being. And then it talks about the pipes. Uh, tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee. And a lot of people, myself included, believe that this means like uh, that Satan was created, originally referred to as Lucifer, was created uh, with the ability to sing praise unto God like no other being. That his vocal cords uh, would have almost been like that of a uh, of a, uh, like an organ, like a grand organ you might see with all the different pipes going up that do all the different things. I like to watch some of those TikTok videos where it shows the guy who can do just about anything on those really huge fancy organs. And he can like flips all the switches and he moves all the pedals around, he does all the things and he can like do just amazing things on there. And uh, that is, I imagine the exquisite nature of Lucifer and his, the pipes it's referring to as his, uh, that are in him as the ability to sing praise unto God like nothing we've ever heard before. And evidently never will again since he's corrupted himself against the Lord and his will. Uh, verse uh, 14 says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in the ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. So at some point, iniquity was discovered in Lucifer. He began to be corrupted and polluted within himself even in the very presence of God in heaven. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thine beauty, Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. 
All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. So that will be the untimely end of the devil. Let's look at Isaiah 14 now. Talking about the origins and the nature of Satan. So we saw his origins and we saw his creative purpose. He was created to bring glory and praise unto the Lord in such a magnificent way to the point where no other creature could have possibly glorified God in such a manner. Isaiah 14. Isaiah chapter 14. We're going to start reading in verse 12. Where we will now see uh, the fall of Satan. It says in verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, and this is the important bit here, thou hast said in thine heart, this is the corruption of Satan, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Satan wanting to be as high and as powerful as God. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. His aspiration was the throne of God, but his destiny are the pits of hell. <clears throat> that is, in fact, we infer from this particular passage and others like it, that hell was created, as the book of Revelation tells us, for the devil and his angels. It was not intended for us. It was intended for him. But as soon as he was bound uh, and destined and fated for that terrible place, he decided to try to take as many of us with him as he possibly can. And thus, our terrible fate, which first began in the Garden of Eden. Uh, let's take a look at Luke chapter 10 real quick. We're just going to look at one verse. Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. Which says, He said unto them, and you can see it's red letter there, so this is Christ speaking. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So what happened to Satan was when he, when this pride and this, uh, this arrogance began to grow in him, this desire to dethrone God began to grow in him and God saw it, he at that point was cast out of heaven. And when he was cast out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with him that fell from heaven. And that's what Jesus is referring to here in verse 18. He says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Jesus, being there, being eternal, being God, was there to witness the fall of Satan. And that's what he's teaching there. Uh, 
the activity of Satan is something that must be discussed as well because it is a matter of some confusion. If you were to ask the average Joe on the street where they thought uh, the devil was, they would tell you he's in hell. Right? That's what they would tell you. Uh, we know this to be true because Bugs Bunny told us so. <laughs> right? That's right. You've seen it. If you haven't, you're not watching enough cartoons. Right? Turn off Fox News and CNN every once in a while and turn on some Boomerang. It'd be better for you. But uh, everyone wants to, like, um, I don't remember which one it was, uh, it dies and is sent there, and there's a devil. You know, he's got horns, and he's all red, and he's got the tail and the pitchfork, and he's like like, uh, like the maitre d' at a restaurant. You know, he's standing there with a, like a pulpit like I've got, and it's got a book, and he's looking for names. That's, that's completely and unequivocally untrue about everything about Satan. That is not his image, that's not what he looks like, that's not where he's at. Uh, Job 1 and 2, which we've talked about already, uh, Satan is in the presence of God in heaven. A lot of people have a problem with that. They say, how is the devil still getting into heaven? But why is God allowing the devil still into heaven? Well, God is allowing the devil access to heaven as of right now. Well, we're going to study in the book or in the, the book of Revelation in end times prophecy where that no longer becomes the case where God cuts the devil off but then he also has to cut the earth off from access to God and so that is why the devil has access to heaven because we still have access to heaven and so he enters into heaven we see that in the book of Job and he has a conversation with God and God asks him where he's coming from Right? And it's recorded in the book of Job, he says, from walking to and fro the earth and up and down. So the devil is not in hell. Uh, he's not Hades. right? And I think that's where a lot of people get confused. Because in Greek mythology, Hades was the guardian of the underworld. And he was the one that ferried the souls into, uh, into you know, their version of the afterlife. And a lot of people sort of attribute the devil to Hades because they see some similarities between the two. Again, probably because the devil wants there to be as much confusion about what we believe is possible. But the fact of the matter remains that the devil is here. He's among us. He's walking around back and forth, to and fro. Where the devil's at, we don't know. Uh, the important thing to understand about the devil also is, as far as his activity goes, he is not God. He does not have God's power, which means, number one, Satan is not uh, omniscient, right? Satan is not all-knowing. Satan can only be uh, given information of a place that he has accessed. That's why the Bible tells us to give no place to the devil. If we can keep him out of our homes then we can keep him from causing more trouble. Right? So he's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. We can limit what the devil knows. 
That's why it's also so important to be careful what you say. Even if you're in a room by yourself and you're griping and complaining with nobody else in the room, you better believe you're not alone. And you might sit there and say, oh yes, I know, the Lord is always with me. The Lord is always with you, but the devil has his spies everywhere. And if the devil hears you say something bugs you, you better believe he's going to ramp it up. So we ought to be, that's why we ought to be cautious about the words we use. We ought to be careful about uh, being positive, about being about what we, how we express ourselves negatively. You know, that we should give no place to the devil. He's not omniscient. Uh, he's not omnipotent. Satan is very, very powerful. Make no mistake about that. Uh, his authority exceeds our own. So we have no authority to rebuke the devil. Uh, we have no authority to do, do such things. Uh, he is referred to in other portions of Scripture as the little g God of this world. Not that he's in comparison to God, but that his powers mimic that of God, and his power is still quite powerful. He is able to copy most of the things that God can do. So he is very powerful. Uh, but he's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. That Satan's power has limits, whereas God's power has no limit. And the, the other most important thing to understand about Satan is that he is not omnipresent. Right? That's the one we have a hard time remembering. Right? Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. Uh, odds are he's probably not actually in this room with us. He may have one of his fallen angels uh, trying to cause trouble for us in this church. But uh, most people believe that if the devil is somewhere in the world today, he's in the room with the President of the United States or the Queen of England or somewhere very important where he can cause the most trouble for the most people. That is probably where the devil is. Uh, but that is not to say that he does not seek to cause trouble uh, even for a church as small as ours. So he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. Uh, we see in Matthew 4, as far as his activity goes, now uh, we've talked about before, where Satan showed up to tempt uh, the Lord Jesus. Now you might think this is a pointless endeavor. Of course... Uh, the devil is not going to be able to corrupt Jesus. That's a foolish thing to think. However, Jesus uh, was at a disadvantage at this point, more so than he's ever been in all of the history of time. Because up until this point, Jesus was fully God. And that was it. He was just God. So of course... Uh, there was no point at which the, uh, the devil could tempt him because he was just God. But in Matthew 4, he's more than just God. Now he's also man. He has taken on to him the form of a servant. And with that comes all of our weaknesses. We get hungry. Right? Jesus had never been hungry before. Until he was born in that manger, he didn't know what hungry felt like. And for the first time in tens of thousands of years, God is able to feel hungry. 
you imagine how Satan sees that? He sees the one he's trying to dethrone. He sees a weakness. Finally, God has a weakness. And he's coming after him. Jesus had fasted for 40 days. And the first thing the devil does when he comes to him is tempt him to turn the stones into bread. And he hits him exactly where that, that mankindness has weakened God. So Matthew 4 is Satan's best and only chance to corrupt God. And if anybody could, it would be Satan. Because let me tell you something, there have been some people throughout the Bible that should have been uncorruptible and were not. And look at King David. If you want to talk about somebody full of faith in God, you think of David. You think of that shepherd boy with a slingshot, right? Took out a giant. Mighty King David who ruled the nation and drove them closer to the Lord. And yet, one day when he should have been at battle with his men, he was on top of a roof looking toward the river about the time when women bathed. What do you think he was doing up there? Temptation of the devil got him up there on that roof. Saw something he shouldn't have seen and wanted it and knew he could have it and get away with it. And did. And the devil corrupted a man like David who the Bible says heart was holy after the Lord. Think of Abraham. And how Abraham uh, brought his family into the land of Egypt and told his wife to lie so that he could save his own skin and was admonished for this because the devil tempted him with fear of his own life and he failed in that temptation and others like it throughout his life. You see these men, Solomon, the wisest human being to ever live apart from Jesus Christ himself, and was corrupted. The Bible says that his many wives turned his heart from following the Lord. And he began to worship and serve their other gods. All of these men should have been incorruptible. And yet we come to this place in the New Testament where every single human being who the devil has come up against has lost to him. The devil is undefeated in beating humans as being corrupted. And then finally here comes Jesus as the ultimate representative of mankind. Sort of championing us as Jesus. And the devil sees his opportunity, takes it, and I can't begin to tell you folks how huge it is that the devil failed in that moment. That's the first ever time in his life the devil failed to corrupt anything. Matthew 4 is a huge moment for humanity. It gave us our first glimpse of hope that the Christ could actually defeat Satan. Satan was a consistent antagonist to Christ and may have been behind other disturbances rather than just Matthew 4 and, as we know, Judas Iscariot, who was also uh, corrupted and, and some people believe possessed even by the devil to betray Jesus. Some see his involvement with the storm at the sea. Remember the story of the storm at the sea? Uh, because of its intensity and how unnatural it was for a storm of that magnitude to be on the Sea of Galilee. Right? That was a, a bit unnatural for it to be that harsh. 
If you've ever seen the Sea of Galilee, you know you can see from one end, like from one shore to the other. You can. It, it doesn't look like the kind of thing that would cause you too much trouble. And yet there was such a storm on that water that it almost killed the men on the boat. So a lot of people think that that was the devil uh, sending that storm to try to destroy Jesus and his disciples. And there is some context to indicate that Satan was uh, pressing Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, adding that pressure to him, uh, like those olive presses he was around, uh, just adding extra pressure onto him spiritually, which is why after he was uh, finished, the Bible says that an angel came and ministered unto him. So a lot of the activity that we see of Satan throughout uh, Scripture as well. And then uh, lastly, what I want to make mention of is Satan's attack on the Messianic line. That's the bloodline of Jesus. And the promise of Christ was given all the way back in Genesis 3, uh, referred to as the Proto-Evangelium. Okay. Attack on the what? The bloodline of Jesus. Now we can see that attack all throughout the Old Testament, uh, even from the killing of uh, Cain, killing of Abel, where Abel was intended to be the one who would carry through the bloodline of Christ, or so Satan thought. So he had Cain kill Abel until Seth was born, and it was found out that it's actually Seth who will carry the bloodline of Christ. Uh, down to Noah's day, when the flood left only eight people remaining alive. Uh, all the way down to Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel. We remember of the uh, patriarchal families of the Old Testament who all had trouble having children. All three of them. Who would be figureheads of the bloodline of Christ. Struggled to even have children to begin with. All the way down to Pharaoh killing the Jewish male babies in Egypt. We think that that's an attack that's trying to kill Moses before he can rescue God's people, but actually that was Satan's attack on the bloodline of Jesus, trying to kill Jesus' bloodline before he could ever be born. Uh, we see it in the moral corruption of the Jews through Canaanite women, and the devil trying to get Jewish men more interested in women from other uh, nations worshiping other gods, because it was said that it was a Jewish woman who would give birth to Jesus. So if he could corrupt the bloodline, he could stop it that way as well. All the way to Athalia. You probably don't remember the name Athalia, but we talked about her a while back. And uh, she seemingly killed off all the royal seed. But what she didn't know was there was one of the royal seed that was kept alive and hidden until he could grow up and he was protected until she was uh, overthrown and he was old enough to take the throne. But there, Satan almost completely cut off the bloodline of Christ. Uh, all the way to the Babylonians, making the royal seed captive eunuchs, where they couldn't produce uh, future heirs. Another attack by Satan trying to cut off Jesus before he could be born. And then, obviously and finally, the Herod's killing of all the Jewish babies uh, in the Bethlehem area. And that final attack on Jesus uh, before he could grow up and die for the world. 
So we see these attacks by Satan on the bloodline of Jesus all throughout the Old Testament, even bleeding into the New Testament a little bit, no pun intended, uh, and how Satan works in uh, this world and has worked and continues to work. We see in closing, uh, real quick, he is uh, referred to as the serpent and the dragon. And even on, uh, on occasion in the Old Testament, referred to a bit like the Leviathan we'll be covering this Wednesday. Probably if we get to it. Uh, and he's also referred to as a lion. A roaring lion uh, walking about seeking whom he may devour. And these analogies of Satan. And it's funny that he's referred to as a lion. This might perhaps be because he wants to be referred to as a lion. It might also be because, again, one of those fake copies. Because Jesus is referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then Satan setting himself up as a lion as well. And that analogy, that fake copy, leading all the way down to the Antichrist, uh, who will be a fake copy of Jesus as well. So that is our lesson for this morning. We're a little bit late in finishing. I do apologize, but we'll be back this morning at uh, 5 after 11 for the Sunday morning worship service. Thank you so much for watching.